Dr. Savvy's regular media watch brings you rising stars from various business sectors, public services and charities. Available on Sky, YouTube and Spotify. This week, as per normal, we try and find some really great guests. And I've got a wonderful friend of mine, uh, does some great work in the community, really wants to talk about some of the things that he's been doing. Uh, welcome to the show, Ravi Aurora. Thank you. Thank you, Sammy. The wonders of technology means that we're able to connect with people and some wonderful people doing some great work. Now, you are Director of Multiculture uh, over in Richmond, a very responsible role. You're the CEO down there, and uh, you actually are involved in a number of projects that are outreaches to people of multiple uh, backgrounds. Uh, but I'm going to uh, not steal your thunder. I'm going to ask you uh, to tell us a little bit more about some of the things that you're doing, some of the things that your team are doing, and uh, especially right now, one of the reasons for getting you on is an extremely difficult period because of the COVID-19 situation. And your projects uh, really focus on face-to-face stuff, but you've had to adapt. So some of the things that we're going to cover today are how have you adapted? Um, how are some of those programs going to be coming to fruition, especially as it's very difficult for charities at the moment in terms of fundraising uh, to sustain themselves. And what challenges do you see in the future? I know you've tried quite hard from a digital perspective to connect people. And so those are some of the subjects that we're going to discuss today. So Ravi, tell us about the kind of things that you do. Well, first of all, let me tell you a little about uh, Multicultural Richmond. Multicultural Richmond actually has been around uh, for over 20 years. Uh, we used to be called the Ethnic Minorities Advocacy Group, but I thought that was a bit of a lumpy sort of name. We changed to uh, Multicultural Richmond on the 1st of July 2019. Um, our focus actually is to create integrated, inclusive multicultural community in the London Borough of Richmond and surrounding area. So basically we're looking for you know, a, a thriving multicultural community so that people can actually contribute in all ways and uplift UK society, because uh, it's a great contribution that minority people can give to, to um, British society and have been doing so for over 20 years as well. So now we're trying to even strive for even greater things for the communities to do. Um, so in a year, we've normally sort of uh, served 700 people. Uh, we have support groups and events, but because of COVID, we are now only able to reach about 100. And even of that 100, we're probably um, reaching around about only 20%. So COVID-19 has, has had a great impact on the, on the work that we do and the people that we serve. So it's a big proportion of people we are not able to reach because many of our events have been cancelled. We have normally about four large events and over 100 people normally attend those events. Now those have all been cancelled. So now we have had to focus all our events and face-to-face -face work online. So that's what we have done. So we used to have at least, uh, um, in one week, at least 100 people coming to use our services. This has now really, um, we now probably have about 65 people that we are actually reaching. Um, but of that, actually physically seeing, seeing a physical face is actually around about 20 people. It's because not everyone has been able to go online because of the barriers to accessing uh, digital technology. Uh, many of our uh, users 
are over uh, 65 to about uh, 70. Now, we do look after people of all ages, from zero to the grave. Um, but one vulnerable, real vulnerable group are our elders. And um, they really are losing out, not meeting uh, people. They are isolated, become lonely, and that's actually increased mental health issues. Because with increased isolation and increased stress comes mental health issues. So what we actually been trying to do, especially to make sure that they do not feel stressed, they do not feel isolated. So what we've actually set up are actually Zoom sessions and conference calls. So on a weekly basis, um, my very good uh, colleague, Thurinda Sembi, has been able to set up Zoom sessions for some of our members, not all, those who are actually able and comfortable with technology. So in a week, we can see them visually on Zoom, around about 16, 17 people. And uh, we've facilitated Zoom exercise uh, sessions for them and what's called information sessions from our service providers, especially people from uh, a mental health charity called RB Mind, who've been able to give anxiety workshops to help reduce stress uh, for, our, for our members. So because normally what would happen, they would come to our center twice a week and they would have access to exercise, they would have access to food, they would have access to their friends. It's actually an extended family. This is what our group was. So they are now missing that extended family. So the only way they can actually see each other is actually online. So every week we've been doing it since the 23rd of March, Zoom sessions. So now really for a second and, and ask you about uh, specifically around that, you know, technology. So this makes the assumption, you mentioned that a lot of the people are older people. It does make the assumption that they are digitally savvy, pardon the pun. Um, and is, do you think there's a digital divide? Has it been difficult? Because obviously, when you're think, yeah, kind yeah. of uh, quarantined, it's difficult yeah. to actually get uh, that technology support. Uh, not everybody is totally up to date with being able to press the right buttons to be connected. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Once you're connected, it's brilliant. But the fact that you've got to get online first and not everybody's knowledge may be actually all there, you know? That could have been a challenge, right? Or has it been? It is a major challenge. For some people, getting a new phone is a challenge. So imagining trying to download Zoom or use Microsoft Teams on a laptop, I mean, the challenge is increased exponentially. For some people, um, they are digitally savvy, even at a later stage. So they are comfortable using um, technology. But there are some who are just comfortable using a telephone. And we must not forget the telephone is still a very valuable outreach tool. And for a group of our members, we use the telephone. So we use a weekly conference call to do meditation sessions, for example. So we can't really rule out you know, the traditional phone line. But for those people who can use digital technology, it is actually a blessing because they have been able to um, connect people together. But there is a digital divide. People are, are not comfortable using um, this technology. And we've, what we're trying to do, uh, we've asked family members as enablers to go in um, and when uh, it was allowed for family members to, to see each other, to be safe and actually download Zoom and virtual software and tell their mums and dads and how to use the link. And that has worked as well. So that's one way we've been able to overcome some of the barriers, but 
there is still a core number of people who still find digital technology a bit of an issue. I think there's a, you know, one of the things that COVID has definitely brought about is more creative use of technology. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who his 85 year old mother gave a, a lesson uh, or, a, you know, a, a teaching lesson of how to make uh, uh, dokra, uh, you know, a really good vegetarian Gujarati dish. So, uh, and she kind of got all her friends together, got the ingredients together and they cooked it um, online. Um, but, you know, preparation is very important, isn't it? I mean, you can't just dial somebody up and go, hey, how you doing? Um, there must be some, uh, you know, pre-work that you do to prepare. Um, the volunteers that you have uh, must be finding it challenging as well to be able to do the extra work to get prepared before they get connected, right? Yeah, I mean, um, our volunteers, we haven't got any specific volunteers. The volunteers that we actually have are family members. But we haven't got actually individual volunteers who are not family members going into, into homes because don't forget, this is an, another person, not part of the social network bubble. So we don't want to actually break any rules. So we've got to make sure that um, the right people are actually visiting the family. So it's normally their, their son or their daughter helping them out. But most, most, luckily enough, they're of our generation and know how to use the technology. As I said, it really depends on the individual. Some families are really good and digitally prepared, but other families are not so. And even, the, even though they have sons and daughters who can help them, their parents are still reluctant to use the technology. And that is uh, something that we can't you know, change. And I said, this is where the phone is very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's talk a little bit more about um, some of the, the challenges that you have. Um, fundraising is difficult, right? Uh, and then we were talking on the phone earlier on. It seems that some of the uh, funds that would have been available have now been diverted or reprioritized to other um, charities, especially around the support that's needed for COVID-19. So this is going to be a challenge for many charities up and down the country to be able to sustain their funding as well as actually you not only get access to the government funds, but also the fundraising, because I'm sure you, you can't do events now, can you? Yeah, absolutely true, because I, I'll give you an example. We actually uh, put in a bid for a, uh, for a project uh, a few months ago, and we did get a letter saying, unfortunately, because of COVID-19, in, in a very polite way, has, you, the, the priority has changed. So um, I would imagine that if COVID-19 had not existed, we would have got those funds. So now we've had to be more creative in how we're going to actually um, get funding. So what we've done is looking at virtual projects with the flexibility of doing it offline when the situation changes. So when we are talking about funding, we're talking about, yes, we've got to do virtual projects, but if the situation changes, we will transfer it to offline activities. So what we are, for example, we are doing a project to see uh, local parks virtually and, and doing information sessions on trees, on birds, on animals, the external environment. So to engage um, the minorities who are reluctant to go outside to the park because of the lack of, of confidence of using outdoor um, the environment. So these points are actually gain confidence, reduce isolation, and increase socialization. But the thing is, we have to respect the COVID-19 rules and be flexible around it. 
You know, um, I, I was going to ask you about this question that obviously you've got an older group and you've got, because um, when you look at multicultural, it's not just focused in on the older community, it's also about um, the youth as well. And um, I wanted to ask you about one of the other things that you're looking at doing, you're gathering data uh, on trying to find out if certain kids are disadvantaged uh, because of yeah. their yeah, one of the projects that we're looking at is uh, the gap uh, between um, different uh, students uh, taking GCSE, those who are quite uh, academic and those who are not so academic or are disadvantaged. And it's a, like a 31% gap, especially in the London Borough of Richmond, between those who are achieving and those who are not achieving. So what we are trying to do is trying to reduce that gap by actually uh, preparing and proposing a um, free tuition for up-and-coming GCS students who need that extra support uh, to take whatever form of exam, if there is an exam next year or not, but we are there to give them the extra support to, to give them aspirations to do well because everyone has the potential to be great and that's what we want to actually stress. That's a very nice thing to say, actually. Everyone has the potential to be great. Um, I think that uh, that greatness is enhanced by having people to give them that support. Uh, do, would you think about some of the people to give them a bit more mentoring, uh, a bit more career advice, uh, bringing people in from industry to talk to them? Um, oh, I found yeah, when I was at school. Yeah, yeah. Before actually um, uh, COVID actually happened, we, we did do an employment course for young people. And that is exactly what we did. We got people to prepare them for interviews, did their CVs, we took them to organizations, um, we, we showed them what could be achieved by working hard, passing your exams, and doing the right thing. That's, that's really good. Um, so yeah, so this summarizes where we are right now. So obviously it's been a challenge. Digital technology is a challenge. Um, in order to do some of the stuff that you're talking about, we really need to have um, information, data. Um, do you think now in, in the world that we live in that everything actually, you know, people want to see the data, they want to see the evidence, uh, which is a bit difficult to do because obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're actually asking for funding, whereas you're hoping that the initiative that you're going to take is going to come off. Are these real challenges for you in terms of the amount of work you have to do to actually get money to prove the case? I think the, the getting data is always a challenge, uh, and uh, what we're trying to do now at the moment is that actually we've actually created a survey, which I would like to um, uh, maybe uh, send a link to yourself that we can actually um, market uh, in the London Borough of Richmond and, and local schools, and that is actually to try and find out who actually needs support, uh, and our focus actually is on what's called GCSE students at the moment, but it doesn't mean we won't support any other students of different ages at different levels. So this data is actually to collect information so we can use it to apply for funding for a three-year project and maybe beyond. Okay, so that's good. So it's sustainable. So they not only do they want data at the beginning, they want data en route and they'll want data at the on end so that you can continue yeah. the program. In order, because if we are, because it's like a win-win situation. If we are looking at people and improve their success at school, at their exams, um, their self-esteem improves, their confidence improves, the parents are happy, the, the, peer, uh, the teachers are happy, the school is happy. 
and they get to the university or college or career that they want to go to. So I believe it's a win-win situation. Brilliant. So final thing to talk about, because we've got about five, six minutes left, was um, the actual centre where you do this. You've obviously got a centre that's been provided by um, the council, I assume, um, and they do some of the work to make it COVID uh, safe. Um, obviously, at the moment, there's all kinds of questions around uh, whether or not people should be in or out or how they work. How does this work for you? Do you, uh, you obviously adhere to the rules. You've made this thing COVID uh, secure um, and safe. Is there a confidence issue uh, with some of the people there about wanting to come back? Do they feel safe? About a month ago, I did do a risk assessment with our members, and I think there, there is a real confidence issue. I mean, of the 60 or 70 members who actually come to our um, centre, about one third are confident to actually return it. I can understand that too. So, so we've got to make sure when they do come back to the centre that they are comfortable and feel safe at the centre. And Richmond Council have been great in that respect. They've actually made the place secure and safe. So I've got to give credit to Richmond Council for making the place uh, safe and secure. And in fact, we are actually planning a return next week of those people who want to come. So on the 1st of October next week, we are hoping that people will come. Yeah, because obviously there's the, you know, like we said right at the beginning of the conversation, there's the online stuff, but there's also the face-to-face -face and the companionship. Uh, but also, um, this does have an impact. You can do as much as you can in terms of the, you know, mental health um, situation. But uh, one of the things they say about people living longer is having that, you know, not only community connection, but also that friendship connection. Um, have you seen that in the work that you've done so far? Oh, absolutely, and people have made uh, lifelong friends. People have, who have been lonely and isolated. I'll give you an example. There was there was uh, someone we knew who was caring for her husband, and because she was caring for her husband almost twenty four seven, she did not have a life. Then someone suggested uh, our group, and she came uh, and started coming a few years ago. And now it's like part of a family. You know, they actually celebrate their anniversaries, their children's birthdays. Uh, at the centre. So the children, the, the grandchild may not be there, but they're celebrating on their behalf uh, with, with, uh, with their friends and family. That's brilliant. So just to end our uh, chat today, first of all, really appreciate your time. I know you're a really busy person. Uh, it's a really hard job to try and bring people together, whether it be online or not, look at future projects. Um, you know, there's a shout out to your team who do an incredible amount of work. They're very dedicated. Uh, so, you know, um, you and yourself are doing uh, you know, work that you can, but you've also got to be a leader as well. You've got to be someone there to help, you know, motivate individuals and, you know, uh, make sure that as a team they can function together. That, that's a tremendous strength that you've got. Um, did you want to say a few words about how you keep that team going? And also, obviously, they're dedicated individuals as well. And if they want to contact you in terms of, you know, any email uh, support or, um, you know, outreach work that you're doing or any projects or even some funding that you might need some help with? I've got to give great credit to, to uh, Surinda, um, Surinda Sembi, who's been running the project so well since March 23rd. I mean, I don't think I could have done it without her, actually. She's, you know, she's been brilliant. Uh, um, I mean, I've been away and she's been running the things while I've been away. Uh, you know, a great shout out to her. She's been absolutely hands-on and, and fantastic. I, I can't give her enough praise. Um, and also our volunteers. Uh, I mean, whoever has helped us has been great. We've now got a befriending team, uh, phoning our members as well. 
Uh, we got someone who can speak Greek, we got someone who can speak Spanish and French. Uh, so not just uh, the Asian languages, but we got European languages as, as well. So really we are a comprehensive service to all people of all languages. And one thing else, that we always welcome donations as well. So anything great or small um, would be also welcome. So, and if you do want to help us out, I'd be really grateful. And if you want to um, email me on uh, rabi, R-A-V-I, at multiculturalrichmond.org.uk, uh, we can have a conversation. Um, give me a telephone call at 020-8893-944. I look forward to speaking to you soon. And thank you very much, David. No, thank you very much for coming on and we look forward to seeing you soon and keep up the good work and all the best to all your members and your team. Um, it's wonderful to see such progress and such dedication. Thank you. Dr. Savvy's regular Media Watch brings you rising stars from various business sectors, public services and charities. Available on Sky, YouTube and Spotify.